Welcome to the LSI Behind the Wind podcast. My name is Sean Slatter, and for 30 years, I've dedicated my life to the science of business development. I've seen the impact of our work, which has evolved into economic development and now social impact. On this episode, I'm excited to bring another one of our virtual team conferences, what we call BTCs, that was recorded in July of 2020. So think about this, we're, we're three months into COVID, A lot of members of our team had been asking about our program execution work and asked that I give a summary and history of our program execution practice area. And this is still very relevant today. This is a a growing part of our business. So much of our business development work evolves into program execution. And if you had heard the podcast episode that I had with Dr. Burley Brunson, and we talk about how important program execution is in the business development life cycle, this really is a good summary of our program execution practice area and how we're interfacing with our clients, customers on a daily basis. And I've always said capture and program execution are closely aligned. It's the decision makers that ultimately are going to award this contract to you. You need to execute and deliver a great product or service. And that is the entire business development life cycle that we talk about. And so I hope you enjoy this episode, some of the history. I I talk a a bit about some of our large wins that we've had and how we have been able to leverage that history and past performance into the business development strategy. Today, I want to talk about our work in program execution, or you'll often hear us talk about post-award. This, interestingly, is is very similar to the capture work that we do, and a lot of our post-award business is a result of our capture work. The reason I was so adamant 30 years ago that we establish a presence at every major DOD and uh, FedCiv installation across the United States was so that we could provide not only the relationships on the capture side of the the business, but also provide post-award support to our clients. There's a lot of similarities between the capture business and the post-award business and, and practice areas so much of it is dependent upon the relationship that exists with our team inside these installations. A lot of our work early on was also tied to the logistics and supply chain on the installations that allowed us to provide post-award support to our clients or working with the federal government on supporting a post-award engagement they had issued to a federal contractor. When I first 
built this concept of these practice areas and and thought about what are the tools in the toolbox. You, you've heard me talk about that concept. These were the the, the initial three buckets, capture, proposal development, and program support. I think what's interesting is this idea that I had around post-award and, and program execution really was very different than what's happened in the last, especially over the last 15 or 20 years. Initially, my idea was that companies would need a transition from business development to program execution. And that was the entire purpose and focus of our program support or program execution practice area in the early uh, 1990s. What would happen, and it, I created this practice area out of necessity, what would happen is we would do all of the capture work up front, position our clients to win the business, we would support them on the proposal development, and then once the contract was awarded, so many times, and we still get this today, so many times our clients would come back to us and say, what did you promise? What did you put in that proposal? especially these large multi-year and convoluted proposals, sometimes they would take years to award and we would spend two years often on these billion dollar proposals where we were doing the capture work, writing the proposals and then submit the proposals. And then it may, may be another year before the the government awarded these contracts now that's changed a lot especially in the last few years through federal acquisition reform but i, I mean even just two weeks ago we were advised that one of our clients had won a contract and a proposal that we had developed for them and it was over six months between the time that the proposal was submitted and when the contract was awarded. So you can imagine in that span of time, the document goes in and these documents, especially these large programs, sometimes are a thousand pages. I mean, we, the largest proposal that we've ever submitted was a 10,000 page proposal for AT&T. That was a two-year process of developing the proposal. AT&T paid us $12 million to build that proposal, and it was two years before the contract was awarded for a lot of reasons. So these proposals are complex usually, and if there's a, an extended period of time, or there's a lot that can happen in between the time the proposal submitted and the contract finally being awarded, and our clients starting work. There can be protests, there can be changes in the program or funding. There's a lot that can happen over the course of when the proposal submitted and when the contract starts. So my idea was this, that let's build a practice area that would 
once the contract was awarded, we would pull together the oftentimes the proposal engagement team and our subject matter experts to come back in and advise our clients. This is what was promised in the proposal. These are the objectives, milestones, and deliverables that you promised or we promised for you in the proposal. And this is what needs to happen. And it evolved into a much bigger practice than I ever anticipated. I really thought that this was would be a initially a few weeks to, to transition from post-award to program execution. And what ended up happening is a lot of times our clients would say to us, just do this. Just I, we, we don't know how to, to deliver against this. We have, you know, all of these other things that we're working and, and they would oftentimes say, we'd, we'd like you to work this piece of it. And so it became a, like I said, a, a division of our, our company that as we offered this support, it grew rapidly. And today it's it's a big part of what we do. It also has allowed us to work some of the um, uh, sustainment and supply chain projects tangent to our work in the supply chain division of the company. So a, a few really interesting stories, I think, that are illustrative of our work in program or post-award or program execution. And we've tried to use those terms really to designate, is it post-award where we're working ENs or a BAFO or, you know, whatnot. Even our, we've worked a lot of protests over the years that typically will go into our post-award practice area and program execution, which is delivering either the commodity or service on behalf of the client. So I think one of the, the really interesting program execution engagements that we have had for years is, is a large Fortune 500 company. It really was a, it was really illustrative of all of the LSI tools where we started with a strategy, we build a process, we even train their team, and then we did all the capture work, we worked the proposal, and as I had indicated at the time, this was 27 years ago, the client brought us back in, they, they said we have uh, won this contract, and one of the things that they discovered post-award in this engagement that we were working for them was that they did they had not planned to have infrastructure in place and a budget for on-site support. And so they ended up contracting with us to manage the contract. This was a multi-billion dollar contract. It's still an engagement today after 27 years. And this was, this at the time, no, no one was doing this. This was just unheard of for any company to outsource contract management and program management to a third party. 
we're still providing that kind of support for the client today after 27 years. A few years ago, I we worked a, a similar project that was $3 billion that we con- convinced the client to pursue this opportunity. They really did not want to do this. We kept saying, you've got a high probability of win with this work. They kept saying, we don't think we can do this. We don't think we can pull this together. It was a very complex program and we convinced them to allow us to to work the strategy, work the process, provide all of the capture work. We wrote all of the proposal and then it took a, a year for the government to make this award. I remember the day that the award was made, we had heard that it was going to happen. I got a call from the client who was located in DC and he said, I can't believe that we won this. He said, I really thought that we had a, a low chance of winning this. And I'm embarrassed to tell you, we have to hire 400 people over the next three months. And we haven't started that. We have no plans. We have nobody on site at this location where they needed to hire 400 people. So they started giving us these tasks. They would pull tasks out of the contract. And remember, we wrote the proposal. We put together the strategy up front. So this was easy for us to bring in the members of the proposal team, but also subject matter experts that had real knowledge of the technical aspect of of this work. We brought in subject matter experts that had relationships with the customer and could facilitate a lot of this and and this client just kept every week they'd give us a new task order go do this go help us put this together and it was an incredible program for at one time we had almost 50 subject matter experts doing everything that you can imagine to assist the client on being successful with this program There's a lot that goes into this concept of post-award and program transitions. A lot of the disciplines really are dependent on that program. And so it is a bucket of stuff that, that we provide for our clients that may be unusual. Anything that happens post-award, we designate that as program execution. So transition, that was really the, as I had mentioned, the original intent of the program execution practice area. And then I think out of necessity and just the evolution of, of that work, we started providing a lot of program management where like this client that I mentioned from 27 years ago, they didn't have a presence at an installation. They had no relationship with the government customer, the contracting team, the technical team, the government technical team, and they would contract that work for us. And we have a lot of engagements today in our program execution practice area where this is what we're doing program management, actually delivering work through our consulting a lot. Oftentimes these are our subject matter experts that 
that we talk about that that is providing this support. And that takes on a, a myriad of, of roles. We do a lot of contract management, especially now. I mean, this is, we are seeing a lot of our clients saying to us that I can't meet with my cl- my customer, my government customer. I can't travel. My co- company won't let me travel. I've got an urgent contract need on site at this installation and I, and I can't connect with them. And so we're able to provide that support. We had a an emergency just a few weeks ago where a client said, I, I'm, we're trying to get a hold of this contracting officer. We've got it. This is uh, critical that that happens. In two hours, we had somebody inside the contracts department interfacing with the contracting team, working the details of the contract management. And we've got some amazing contract executives on our team. A lot of these people have come out of of the Department of Defense, which I think is the highest standard of of contract professionals in the, the federal government. And they are able to provide all kinds of support with FAR consulting, federal acquisition regulations. This is These are the rules mandated by the federal government on how a company does business with the federal government. We have individuals that understand the engineering side of this and can provide engineering change orders, contract change orders that interfacing with a government contracting office, a procurement office, is can be challenging. And to complicate that, there are also additional organizations, DCMA, DFAS, DCAA, that are their own government entities that interface with the contractor post-award. Recently, we had a client that we've worked with for years who was owed a billion dollars from the federal government. And we sent a team into DFAS and they worked with the leadership of DFAS to sort through all of the issues necessary to get to pay our client. And they couldn't do this. And this was this is a large Fortune 500 company. Oftentimes, the, there's challenges tied to DCMA inspections, the Defense Contract Management Agency. This is a, a sub-agency of the Department of Defense that is responsible for ensuring quality, especially for commodities. If, if you're working with a client that is delivering a product, even software, they probably have a audits or inspections by DCMA. We're subject matter experts on working with DCMA to expedite parts through the system. And many clients, especially our small business clients, are have a challenge working with DCMA or the Defense Contract Audit Agency, DCAA, or the, the Small Business Administration. There are these audits that happen post-award that companies are just ill-prepared for. Even mature defense federal contractors, oftentimes they do not do well in post-award work. I had a client tell me once, 
we manufacture aircraft. This is a large aircraft manufacturing company. They said, we're the best in the world. We manufacture aircraft. We are terrible at relationships with our government customer on the front end and on the back end. We're going to contract all of that out to you. And I said to this client, you can never say that to anyone outside of LSI and the company. I, I said, we'll provide that support for you. This is what we do. This is We're amazing at this work, but never share that with your government customer. I think a lot of companies are afraid to say that, but it's the, that's the case. They manufacture a product or they provide a service and they're really good at that. And all of the other details tied to business development and the contract management, the interface with the government, they're terrible at. And, and that's really why we've been so successful in our program execution and post-award uh, business over the years. So as I said, there's a lot that goes into this. We are highly dependent upon our relationships at the installations, at the DOD and FedCiv installations across the country. That's how we've been so successful in working post-award and program execution engagements over the last 50 years. So be thinking about if you are on an engagement team, if you're an engagement lead or you're on an engagement team that is delivering either business development or even program support. And we've got a lot of people in the company that are doing this now and really talented at, at this work. Be thinking about what other types of support could we be providing post-award? Can we be responding to evaluation notices, ENs? Can we be working all of their contract management and interface with the contract team, the federal contract teams? Do they need support on FAR interpretation? There's a myriad of program management work that we can do in providing subject matter expertise, engineering support, whatever, technical support, or even just access, access to the installation. That's so critical, especially now where most of our clients can't travel. They can't, they've got responsibilities, they've got contractual responsibilities, and it's frustrating, it's a challenge when they can't meet with their government customer, they email their customer and the customer doesn't email them back or they call them, they don't get a return call. We have the ability to go into these organizations and have those face-to-face -face meetings or through our relationships, expedite whatever it is that needs to happen post-award. So if you are on the delivery team and you are providing support either on the business development side, capture or or proposal, be thinking about, are there opportunities for LSI to provide support post-award? We're working a billion dollar opportunity that we worked with a, another client on the, the capture and proposal, and then we didn't win that work. We were surprised on this, that one of their competitors who no one has heard of wins this opportunity. 
this company who we've not worked with previously have has now approached us and has said we'd like your help on the program support piece of this we don't know this customer we don't understand the the requirements although we won this business and we have no one on site at the installation we want you to to do that work so just because we didn't win the opportunity doesn't mean that we can't provide support even in the the transition be looking for opportunities that your clients have won and then let's talk about how we can support them on site to provide program management contract management interface with the ACO, PCO, DCMA, DCAA, you know, all of the alphabet soup organizations that that we have relationships with. I hope this clarified our work in, in the post-award and program execution bucket. I really see this is a life cycle that we are identifying opportunities for our clients that we are providing strategy, we're providing process, training, the capture piece, the program support, the uh, pr proposal development, and then the program support, positioning our clients for that next win. It's so tangent to what we do on the capture side of the business, and we do it really well, and this is part of our DNA.